Welcome to That One Suicide Girls podcast. I'm Penny Suicide, That One Suicide Girl, and I'll be your hostess. Joining me for episode four is John Siren, drummer of IMX, Cyclone 9, Frontline Assembly, and many more. I will get to chatting with him in a minute, but first I would like to take a second to shout out suicidegirls.com. If you're not yet a member, you should be. Come join our awesome online community where we are redefining beauty. $29 for a whole year with our stay-at-home special. That's right, $29 for an entire year. Gets you access to not only my pinup photo sets, but thousands of my super babes all over the the world. You can join our forums, read our blogs, and get to know us better, or shoot us a DM. What are you waiting for? I want to see you there. Link will be in the bio. Please sign up after the podcast. I'm going to play a taste of IMX so you can hear John's current band that he tours with and get a feel for what they're like. Then we're going to jump straight into the podcast. Enjoy! Welcome, John. How are you? Hey there. I'm doing great. Um, Saturday morning, just getting my day going. Yeah. How did you? How did you get your morning started? Um, I'm back on coffee. I was trying to quit. <laughs> um, I was doing green tea for a bit, um, and I'm back on coffee. Eventually, I'll I'll maybe cut that out just because it affects my sleep at night. But uh, I'm enjoying it, so here I am now. I know. I'm always, like, so heavily caffeinated, I feel like, when I talk to you. <laughs> I'm always like, this is my third cup, and I'm just, like, all over the place. Um, and, yeah, oh, yesterday was World Goth Day. Did you have a nice World Goth Day? Yeah, I was I was late to the party. Um, I started seeing everybody's posts about it, so I decided to... Um, <clears throat> I've been doing all these drum playthrough videos uh since a lot of my tours were canceled. And so I, I decided to um, choose a song of a group from Columbus, Ohio, which is my hometown. And they're a band that I always liked and looked up to called The Wake. So I took one of their songs, Nazarene, and I made a drum playthrough video. And I, and I used that as my tribute to World Goth Day. <laughs> That's totally awesome. Um, and you've been around the world a lot, yeah, because you've been tra or touring and traveling for so long. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been a roller coaster. Um, I've been touring with bands since I was a, since I was a teenager, even in like, uh, like 16 years old, I would travel around even just Ohio. And, and when I turned 17, um, years old I was even going into Canada and so forth with bands so yeah it's I've been I've been at it for a while <laughs> oh my gosh how did they like let you get out of school to go on tour or was this in the summers oh it was in the yeah I was in the summertime okay. um it, it never really you know when when I was in high school or when I was in college I never um I never skipped college. Well, I did once when I was out with uh, <laughs> once. <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, I did. I did leave for two weeks. Um, I left two weeks uh, when I was in college to to do a tour. So yeah, I did that one one time. Was it worth it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, the band was Hate Department, and we were out with Hansel and Gretel and Voodoo. Nice. Um, and these were all bands that I grew up, you know, kind of looking up to. And so the fact that I was playing with hate department and getting to tour with them and then tour with Hansel and Gretel. I mean, that was, you know, 
yeah, that was definitely a game changing moment for me. So I pretty, I, pretty sick. You know, I had to I had to make that. Yeah, I had to make that decision. Um, but yeah, I skipped out on school for that one. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, you you and you can always go back to school, right? That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I ended up getting my degree eventually, but yeah. Um, but ever since I've, for the most part, I've been on the road or getting ready for a tour. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's like the most goth place you've been to on tour? The most goth place? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, because you've been. I've, yeah. I mean social media you go to a bunch of cool fucking places where your bands are always doing the metal poses and you know like the the cool like bones everywhere stuff oh yeah well yeah definitely speaking of bones uh i definitely visit ossuaries often when i'm on the road um and uh these are these are like churches or little sites where i guess monks during um the Black Plague, I think, in a lot of cases, they took, you know, there were so many deaths, they, they ended up making religious artwork or, or um, structures out of out of bones, uh, human bones. So um, I went to the, the, the Bone Church in Czech Republic, and there was one in Brno, uh, which is also in Czech, Czech Republic. I've uh, been to the one in Rome, Milan. Uh, I've been to the catacombs in in Paris, and there's there's a lot of these ossuary um, situations there as well too. So yeah, that def- definitely quite a few goth spots, um, <laughs> including some of the the cathedrals. You know, I'll de- I'll, I'll take photos in front of the the Cologne Dome or something like that, which is yeah, in Germany, which is a giant Gothic church. So yeah, it's super beautiful, right? Like so cool to see all that and get to travel and, you know, see that with your own eyes, just like, you know, monuments built out of skulls and bones and so metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely pretty metal. I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely quite a few um, spots if you're if you are interested in in that sort of aesthetic or vibe. mostly in Europe, but uh, I would imagine in other parts of the world too. Yeah. And I've only been to the catacombs um, in Paris, but they were so cool. Like I loved it down there. I could have stayed down there like all day long. Like I had so much fun exploring everything and it was like very like quiet and very still. Um, It was just like this very calming place to me I, I'm not claustrophobic so <laughs> yeah yeah no it was I, I was definitely really excited by that I um when I was out there when on tour with us uh, Tim Scold back in November December-ish um Nero the he he's he plays in another group that I'm in called Cyclone Nine, but he and I went to the catacombs. I mean he had a he had a bit of a panic attack though down there, so we cut our, our stay short Aww. because I think well some people get uh claustrophobic down there. Yeah. So uh yes, yeah, so we didn't hang in there too long. But um but yeah, I could imagine getting lost in there and and hanging out there for hours. Um and I like reading all the little signs and whatnot. Usually some of my, some of the people that I'm rolling with aren't aren't as interested in in um reading all the historic historical placards that they have on the walls explaining what's going on in every individual scene but i can i could spend hours at these places <laughs> right like soaking up all that information like just a, a brain sponge <laughs> yeah i mean if i if i don't have the time to though i usually just um go online as soon as i'm 
have some free time and, and then check it out and learn a bit more. So, yeah, but needless to say, there's no shortage of awesome gothic photo opportunities <laughs> when you're when you're uh, roaming around Europe. Right. <laughs> Such a legit place. Um, and Absolutely. then I was looking at like a, I researched a little bit about you before this. Uh, not like a ton, not like creepy. But um, did you do goth cruise? Were you on there playing? Yes, yes, I I was there. Um, let's see who I played with. Uh, God module and System Sin on that one. That was quite an interesting journey. It was really, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. But we had like as soon as we were um, embarking on the journey, um, we entered some really bad weather and we had hurricane force winds and and system sin was actually scheduled to play while we were at sea i mean some of the bands they'll be, they'll perform when you're docked at at a, a specific location but in our case we were playing as we were traveling out there and i remember my symbols falling over oh. people were falling <laughs> over i mean we the show went on oh and, my uh, gosh yeah, I was ill. That I didn't sounds end wild. Up, <laughs> yeah, like a lot of us got really sick. Uh, um, oh. <laughs> so it was, it was, and, and they put us um, in these, you know, the cabins that were uh, kind of the lower deck um, ones where there's no windows or anything like that. So I think the the movement was just, yeah, it was very the intense. The motion sickness, yeah. The motion sickness, and that was the any that was the first time I was ever on like a very large boat like that. I mean, I've I've done done it quite a few times with bands on tour you get on these ferries in in europe um but a lot of times they make you come out outside of the bus and then you have to go upstairs into sort of a an area where you you, you basically can't hang out in your car or in the bus it's kind of illegal i guess when you're mm -hmm. when you're traveling on those ferries and whatnot but anyway i would always get like some sort of like motion sickness but uh, yeah. i've never actually puked so oh, fingers crossed like, <laughs> yeah exactly but i get that i get close occasionally yeah depending <laughs> on, on what kind of waters we're dealing with <laughs> oh my gosh and like so goth cruise i knew about i knew about it um before but do you want to explain to people what goth cruise is a little bit yeah um i mean we don't take up the whole cruise ship i mean usually because it is sort of a, a smaller scaled thing I, I think there's maybe i don't know 200 people that attend this and so we'll take up a chunk of the boat um you have access to everything though and um there'll be other themed cruises typically happening at the same time um and uh, they have various locations that they go to. The one that I was um, on went to Puerto Rico. We went to the Virgin Islands. We went to some private island in the Bahamas, too. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, we were out for seven days. So it was a nice little paid vacation. Um, and then when we were at some of the stops, uh, we went zip lining. I went snorkeling. So, yeah, it was it was really nice. Oh, my gosh. That's a fun trip. That sounds awesome. So it's essentially like a gothic cruise, like retreat for like goths. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's uh, the goths get to get a little sunshine, vitamin D for a moment, and um, yeah, slather kind of the sunscreen on. Just so much sunscreen. You know, you don't want those tattoos to fade, or to exactly. get a, or to yeah. get a tan. Because if you have a tan, your credibility is just out the window. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think we get a pass living in Southern California. I think a lot of us, including myself, all have farmer's tans from, you know, I, I ride my bike or if you're if you're driving in your car, you'll have, you know, um, 
the one arm on the window that's getting very tan and then the other one's sort of tan because it's exposed to sunlight, but then the rest of you is pale. <laughs> so you have this like three layer um, farmer's tan going on. <laughs> oh my gosh. And yeah, you know, your arm is hanging out there. If you're, if you're doing traffic in California, your oh, arm yeah. is out that window for a long time. I did not, oh, yeah. did not like the traffic there. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's bad. Sorry, one second. Did you You didn't hear that ding, did you? Oh, no, I don't okay. think so. Okay, good. Yeah, did, you, yeah. did you get an email? Yeah, something came through. Okay, oh, sorry about a, that. He's a popular man. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Um, anyway, sorry. Are you, stay, are you staying real busy with quarantine? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely blindsided me a bit. I didn't really expect this to happen. I mean, I saw, I saw it sort of going that direction maybe just a few days before I was supposed to go on tour. This was mid-March. Um, you know, I started seeing a lot of other tours drop off and I was getting really concerned and I started following the news a bit more. And then, um, lo and behold, the tour I was supposed to do with uh, Tim Scold and we were out with, we were going to be out with Carnifex, Three Teeth, and The Browning. Um, I know, and I was going to see you guys play. Ugh. That's right. Yeah, we were supposed to play in Minneapolis. Um, I think at the Caboose on that one, possibly. Yeah, or, which is a weird yeah. venue for that, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was I played there the fun. one time. Yeah, it's. I mean, the the place is cool in a way, but is it's set up sort of strange, I guess, if you're in a band, because yeah, just the, the the layout's a little bit, you know, kind of bizarre. I just remember that. Um, but. Uh, Needless to say, it would have been cool to be back in Minneapolis. Um, I like playing there, and I've got got some friends there, so it's cool. Um, but anyway, that all was canceled, and so I had to um, rethink what I was going to do. And I started noticing, you know, we didn't at first. None of us knew what was going to happen and how long this was going to go. But as time went on, um, I realized my whole year was pretty much going to get canceled. And I've, I've. Um, centered my life around tours and getting ready for tours for the past few years. Um, so this was definitely a, a sort of a shock to me. Um, so in the meantime, I, you know, I started doing these drum playthrough videos just because I, I needed something, you know, some sort of an outlet. Um, and then that led to a few other things. I started record, you know, I recorded actually, um, for like this death metal, black metal, grindcore type of band um, called Ancestral Awakening. So I recorded a six song um, album for them. And uh, and I'm starting to pick up other recording gigs as well, too. So I've had to just sort of transition a little bit um, because of this. And, and I haven't done as much studio work. So this is um, definitely kind of a, a new a newer thing for me. I mean, it's something I've done before, but but um Again, I've I've focused most of my energy on touring, so. Yeah, and it sounds know. like you're you're finding a new routine, um, and it, like you're honing this skill that you had, but now you're just improving upon it. Um, the drumming videos are super cool. I like those all the time. Um, it's like you always got your fan going and your your beautiful <laughs> flowing long black locks rocking around there are cool. Uh, do you have any hair tips for people? <laughs> um as far as yeah hair tips um because well, if, you if, you if you don't know john has like beautiful long black hair like black metal like perfect <laughs> it's like 
better. It's, you might have better hair than mine when you straighten it. Like seriously. Oh wow! Thank you. <laughs> um, no, I, I, um, to be honest, I, I probably could take better care of my hair, and maybe, um, maybe the fans effect. Um, helps helps it out a little bit <laughs> just because yeah I mean, oh, I, a little bit gives a little life <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm i'm in a non-ventilated drum studio for uh, a good chunk of the day working on stuff so i'm yeah so so basically i'm getting pretty greasy and disgusting <laughs> in there uh constantly and so my hair clumps and it's kind of gross typically but uh when when it is shampooed conditioned properly it can be very nice and if i blow dry it i think that the, you know just you know doing basic maintenance and you know getting a you know trimming the split ends occasionally i mean i think that's about it you know eat eat healthy food i know that um your diet probably uh, plays a huge part as far as like, your hair health is concerned too. So yeah, yeah. and you um, <laughs> you eat pretty healthy, so that would also kind of tie into that. Um, and I know definitely when you have a nice balanced um, diet, either the hormones and like everything, and uh, it, it just helps everything look better. And with veganism, uh, you have your book, The Turing Vegan, and that's that's all mm -hmm. about how to be vegan on tour, huh? Or how to do it, like, kind of hack it a little bit? Yeah, um, the idea came around. I was in between um, tour dates with IMX. They had me blocked out for, for a few years as far as, like, touring. Um, so there was moments where, you know, I'd, I'd come back to, to L.A. And, and at the time, I didn't have any sort of day job. I was able to just do IMX, which was really cool and refreshing. Um, so I spent some of my downtime writing this book and, and part of it was, I was always explaining to people cause people would ask me the same question, you know, wherever I was at, they'd be like, well, how are you vegan on tour? And this was, you know, and this was at a, during a time too, when, I mean, even only in the last few years, veganism has really ramped up as far as popularity and having some sort of like mainstream, um, appeal appeal and credibility i mean a lot you know i mean it's still kind of a fringe thing but right. um but just even a few years ago it was it was it was still this um kind of uh yeah fringe you know lifestyle. lifestyle and so people yeah so people would ask me like well how do you do this how do you how do you um you know, go to restaurants. How are, how are you making food? What do you, what happens when you're in one of these bizarre countries that has never even met a vegan before? And, and, and so I, I wanted to write a book, you know, explaining what I do and how I prepare food and, and how I travel and, and, and some of my philosophy behind it, you know, just veganism in general. I mean, regardless of traveling as one, um, I wanted to be able to answer a lot of those questions. And so, and then I, you know, I kind of build it into a story a, a little bit. Um, you know, I talk about my, my roots and, and what caused me to go in this direction. And, you know, so there's a bit more to, to, to the book than just, um, tips on how to tour as a vegan. And how long have you been vegan for? Um, it's been about 27 years, um, oh, but I, quite a bit. Yeah. 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 It's been, it's been quite a long time. You've been doing um, this for a minute there. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a moment where I was pescatarian because, and this was again, getting information at a certain 
you know, dur during a certain time period was really difficult in finding credible information. And, um, I was really worried about B12. That was the huge thing. Uh, I take so, B12 every day. Like the, yeah, no, I take yeah. the sublingual pills. Yeah. I mean, I take a B12 like a couple times a week. Um, I, you know, it's something that from what I've gathered is recommended for just about anyone. It doesn't matter if you're vegan or not. Right. Um, so uh, B12 is just one of those nutrients that, um, you know, Keeps there's, you there's microbes in our <laughs> soil that, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely good for a lot of different things and, um, you know, n preventing certain nerve damage and, and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just the one, it's one nutrient that that is is hard to obtain naturally from any source at this point. And that has a lot to do with our modern farming agricultural processes. So um, so that's that's a nutrient that I that I take. And, and anyway, I was concerned about it at the time. I didn't have as much information. And so I I reluctantly um, had fish and eggs in my diet for for one year. This was around I, I can't remember the year exactly, but probably 2004 ish, something like mm -hmm. that, maybe. And then um, I did that for about a year. And then I I went back to being vegan again. I just I just couldn't do it. And then um, on an emotional level, you know, I, every time I did it, it, it bummed me out. So, Aww. um, so anyway, and needless to say, I've had my B12 levels checked. I, I get, um, blood panels done all the time, like every year and, uh, everything's looking really good. So there's no deficiencies. I'm not dead. I don't have a protein <laughs> deficiency, no. any of that stuff. So, you're like, so you're yeah. like, I just look like a corpse because fashion and my band, but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not really dead inside. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so in your book, is it recipes or what exactly? Like, tell me a little bit more about your book, please. Oh yeah. Um, so there are there are recipes in the book um, to fill it out a bit more. I did I did do some home recipes in addition to recipes that I do on tour. And so I, I there's plenty of books out there that have really awesome, gourmet, beautiful vegan recipes. But I really wanted to specialize in like, hey, so you're in a band and you're probably not making any money. So how do you do this? you know, as a broke musician on the road or just anyone who's struggling financially traveling and they want to still uh, eat healthy vegan food. So um, that is sort of the the backbone of a lot of my recipes right there. And so I get into like, you know, cooking with a rice cooker. I talk about, you know, when you're at get truck stops going, you know, using the hot water and the different recipes you can make uh, from the hot water machines that they have on, you know, in truck stops and and uh, and whatnot and um, and how to order at a fast food place or at a normal restaurant. So, so yeah, there's there's various, um, I guess, tips that I that I bring up and, and also recipes, too. So they're real simple. Um, they don't require tons of ingredients or tons of spices. I mean, I, you know, I recommend bringing a few spices on the road with you to make your food interesting. Yeah. It's, ba it's basically a lot of, a lot of, um, tips on, on how to, you know, make the kinds of foods that I make on the road. <laughs> Sorry. I, <laughs> I lost my train of thought for a moment. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, it is kind of like, it sounds like it's like Mad Max vegan eating on the road, sort of like, 
Yeah, yeah. Putting it together. Um, and I've, I've seen, like, your social media. You'll be carrying your rice cooker around, and I, like, love that. Like, <laughs> I think that's... Oh, yeah. No, S Sammy uh, on the IMX tours would document just about everything, so she caught me like just walking around and filmed that one time and thought it was funny so yeah um, yeah, yeah. Well, i mean that's we, so you, cute <laughs> and you're like well, this you're like this rice cooker has been with me through like tokyo and like all around the world you're like i've had this one for about you know five years now and it's been everywhere with me and it was like it's like your companion your rice cooker companion <laughs> i thought it was really cute <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely brought that rice cooker, you know, to, you know, all, all over the place. And that's, you know, that's a huge thing. I mean, I, I have a I have a rice cooker in Europe as well as one in the States, which is kind of funny. One's in storage over there. But but that's a huge part of the whole thing, too, is just, you know, having a rice cooker or a pressure cooker is like a big part of of what I talk about in that book, because I like to make a lot of my own meals because I, I think that it's it's healthier. Um when when you're when you're providing when you're making your own meals as opposed to going to restaurants and it's going to save you a lot of money as well uh it's like so true i've hardly eaten out or like ordered in like uber eats or anything like that during the quarantine so i'm just cooking for myself at home vegan as well and just from not eating oh, cool. out and then like i've been running a lot like every other day pretty much um because i can't go to the gyms obviously they're all closed um so i've just been running in the cemetery so spooky Ooh, that is goth <laughs> hashtag health goth exactly <laughs> health goth yes. lifestyle. but i've lost like five pounds just from like not eating out i th i think i mean and i would still eat out but it'd be like you know vegan food that you can eat out that has all these additives and stuff and it's not like it's or it's preservatives or um it's cooking in a restaurant so they're putting crazy amounts of like fat and stuff that you wouldn't that you don't see but it just comes on your plate and then you just eat it because it's in front of you but you don't really think about what went into the meal versus when you cook for yourself at home I feel like you're like oh these are the these are like my ingredients like this is exact I know exactly what's going into this because it's like my hands that are making it yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I've got plenty of restaurant experience, too. And I know that, you know, in a lot of restaurants, in order to make the food extremely palatable, we're adding a significant amount of oil and we're adding, you know, a lot of salt and salt's going to make you retain a lot of water and so forth and give you a bit more of a bloated vibe um, just from, you know, having an abundance of salt. So if you're making your own food, you, you know, you're not going to be retaining so much water if you're not adding a lot of salt and, and then also the oil and everything like that. So yeah, you can definitely cook a lot healthier and, and it's certainly a lot more affordable too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause eating out, I mean, yeah, you just think about the cost of buying those ingredients for a cost of like one meal, you could have enough groceries to make yourself that meal, like for the week, probably. Like, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, that that's one thing I talk about in the book too. It's just like you can, you could probably eat really healthy for just like for one individual for maybe like thirty bucks a week or something like that in the U.S. So, um, just with a few staples and at you know, maybe like some brown rice, some beans, uh, you know, a few vegetables and a few fruits, and and you're good to go. So, yeah, and yeah. I feel like people have this misconception that veganism is this, like, elite new diet that's only accessible to people with, like, money for, like, fresh produce and stuff. Um, like, fresh produce is, like, a little bit more expensive. But it's really not, though, because, like, meat is so expensive and, like, dairy products are, like, very expensive. So whenever anybody's like, oh, yeah, I would try being vegan, but it's, like, bougie and stuff or whatever, I'm like, it's actually more expensive probably to eat meat and consume dairy products.
Like, well, yeah, and it would be a lot more expensive too if the government didn't subsidize meat and dairy and things like that too. I mean, if the the, the true cost of meat would be way higher. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I think a lot of people get that idea that veganism is expensive because they start to think of like whole foods or, or certain grocery stores where, you know, the, the food in general is like a lot more expensive or, or like some maybe a fake meat product that's kind of expensive if they see it at like, a, yeah, a place like whole, whole Foods. And so they don't realize that the diet that I'm at least advocating, I mean, sure, it's a vegan diet, but it's it's a it's a diet of like whole natural foods. And we're, I mean, we're talking like brown rice and beans and a lot of a lot of countries, especially poor countries, live off of these ingredients, even if they include some animal products in their diet. Most of what they're living on is is a starch based diet. You know, you know they're living off of potatoes, beans or, or rice and with some fruits and vegetables and maybe some animal products. So, um, so yeah, it's not, it's not an expensive way to eat, especially if you're eating the way that I, I recommend. Mm -hmm. And then you had said, um, some stuff about some studies that had come out too, like backing, like, like there was more information available now, like actual studies. Well, I mean, part, part of it too, is just having access like, to the internet and being, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I, I you know, I, I recommend if anyone wants to look at some, you know, studies when it comes to like plant-based nutrition, go to nutritionfacts.org, go to um, PCRM, a physician's committee for responsible medicine, check, you know, check out any of these websites if you're really interested in nutritional science and understanding these types of diets, you know, and the American Dietetics Association of America um, also has uh, mentioned uh, that you know, a well-planned vegan diet is appropriate for all stages of life. So, I mean, like there's, you know, that's, that's the largest dietetics association, you know, in the globe. And they're, they're saying that it's totally fine to do this sort of a diet. So. And, and I think it's so funny because when you talk to people that like are very like passionate meat eaters, they're always like, but what about bacon? And I'm like, what about it? Like, is it that great? Is it that defining thing? Like, I can probably name a billion things I like more in the world than bacon. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I guess if you're, you know, if you're compassionate towards animals and you realize that you don't need bacon to survive um, and you don't need certain things, um, why go ahead and do it then? I mean, that's sort of my, that's, that's at least the way that I, I live. Um, so, so yeah, for me, um, because of a taste sensation, you know, there's no nutrient in bacon that we need. Um, so to me, it's just, then it's all about taste. And, and now there's just, you know, if you really want bacon, there's so many, or burgers or anything like that, there's so many cool, you know, plant-based versions of all these types of foods that you can get that have the same smoky maple flavor. Um, so yeah, it's in my, you know, in my, in my opinion, there's really no need for for eating bacon and putting pigs through that kind of suffering yeah it's like so sad just so sad um yeah and you're really empathetic then too obviously for animals oh absolutely i mean this this was a this was an ethical journey um for me completely um health 
came into the picture later on. I mean, I think just as any of us get a little bit older, you start to think about your mortality a bit more and you start to think about your health and, you know, and I love playing drums. So, I mean, like I want to be able to do this for a while. And since it's a physical and mental, um, you know, kind of activity, I need to make sure I'm as, as healthy as possible. So health became kind of a factor later on, but this was all driven by ethics. Um, you know, I used to, I used to fish with my uncle when I was a little kid, and I just remember having to... Doesn't everyone in the Midwest? like? Yeah, I think so. You either out. fish or you hunt <laughs> or you do something like that. So, so yeah, I did that, and, and I really enjoyed it at first. But then, like, I... I would even get upset about like putting the worm, you know, like hooking the worm, for instance. And then by the time that we actually brought in the fish and then he's like, all right, we've got to clean the fish, you know, uh, descale yeah. it and everything. And so we did. So obviously he showed me and I just couldn't do it. And I think that that may have planted the seed. You know, I, I, um, just kind of put myself or I put like, I had pet guinea pigs when I was a kid. I kind of put one of them in that position. I was starting to make connections at a very early age and I must've been like seven or eight years old. So I didn't go vegan immediately then, but it was just a few years later that I did. Um, yeah, I went vegetarian uh, when I was 12. Oh, what happened with you there? Oh, well, we had like a earth science class and we had to do a dissection on like not it wasn't I don't even know if it was frogs or if it was like something like less, you know, dissection -y than frogs. It was something like a frog or a fish or an invertebrate or something. But the kids in the class were obviously not emotionally mature enough um, to be given scalpels or little, you know, knives and things to, to cut apart the animals with. And so people were doing all these things that really upset me. Like they were taking the dead bodies of whatever we were dissecting and were like making them dance, like, you know, doing like little, like they were just mocking them, you know, like, right. or they were overkilling. They were taking their scalpel and they were like stabbing it like a hundred times just because they could. But I found it all to be very cruel and like very upsetting. So then I started to like cry <laughs> and, yeah. and then my friends were teasing me and they were like, well, if you eat meat, this is the, the whatever like you you can't be upset about this because you eat meat and I was like well fine I'm not gonna fucking eat meat anymore I was like 12 so I wasn't saying fucking at that point but I was like I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna eat meat anymore then and they're like oh prove it and I was like I'm gonna and so it kind of started and then and you stopped from there yeah and I just didn't eat meat ever again <laughs> oh and, wow yeah, yeah I mean I still I was vegetarian for a really long time and it was only like the past uh I want to say four or five years that I was interested in veganism and it was only partially because I never thought it just like didn't occur to me to take the um like the cheese and the milk and the eggs out of my diet um because I'd already taken out meat um but then I thought about it and I was like why don't I just remove all like all that because I already have removed one thing and I was like really the only reason I wouldn't remove it is out of convenience or sheer laziness you know because it just takes a a little bit more energy to say, I want that salad, but can you just not put the cheese on it? You know what I mean? Like, it's just a, like a little bit more of a conscious effort. And I I was like, oh, I just like hadn't been making the conscious effort, but I've always been compassionate about animals. And, you know, for health, like you said, as you get older and stuff, you're like, oh, like thinking about these things. Um, yeah. So that's how it happened for me. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's, you know, when you go to restaurants and places like that and, and ask for certain items, you know, like if you wanted the salad without the cheese, I mean, they, they take notice of that. I mean, that's how these waves of, of change start to occur is, is um, you know, I mean, that's why in super, I mean, supermarkets and in fast food places, you're seeing Beyond Meat and Impossible Burgers and whatnot. I mean, that's becoming like, you know, really popular right now. So... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's definitely a growing movement and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely really cool that you, you, you've gone in that direction. <laughs> all, and it was like all off of like a bet essentially. Cause I was stubborn and I like, I just wanted to prove a point and I guess I proved it for a really long time. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, and having the courage to do that at 12 years old is, is something else. I mean, for sure. I mean, I didn't, I didn't start doing this until I was like 15 or 16, you know? So, yeah. It was so um, funny because I'd grow up and I'd have to go to family dinners and being in the Midwest, you know, it's all meat and potatoes um, and such like that. Um, and I would, I, they, my family wouldn't cook differently because of me. So I would make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and sit there at like a Christmas dinner where everybody was eating ham or like goose and stuff. And I'd just eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich by myself. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I definitely had to do that a number of times and, mm -hmm. and, um, I'll still, you know, I still have to occasionally do that to this day, but I mean, and, and not to bring up the book again, but that's one of the things I, I, I talk about in the book as well too, like how to handle social situations and, um, you know, because most of the time I'm amongst people that that don't eat like me. I mean, in some cases I am, but um, in a lot of cases I'm not. So I have to figure out how to um, continue and stay with, you know, my lifestyle. But while I'm amongst people that are not really understanding of it. So, yeah, although I think more people are. I mean, like a lot of people, I mean, I'm not really getting ribbed in the same kind of way that I, I might have when I was younger. So. Yeah. And um, I think it's nice just to encourage people to try it and see if they like it for the people out there that are like adamant about the meat eating and such or or just haven't even considered. It's like they haven't even had a second thought about eating um, meat and going more plant based. I did a little uh, segment of Facebook Live cooking on for the Suicide Girls uh, on their on their page. I did a little vegan cooking stream where I would teach people to cook like a vegan meal or a recipe that I made up in like 30 minutes or less. Um, and oh, that was, cool. and that was kind of fun. I did that for like a few months and I got too busy traveling, um, to be able to consistently hit the time that I, like my time slot. So then I, I kind of dropped off from it and then I would post the recipes on like blogs on my page on Suicide Girls. So then people could also reference like the recipe and just follow the recipe from like written as well, or they could play the video after the fact and then like do it on their own time. Um, but I, I always say to people that haven't tried it, it's like, why don't you try and do it like one day out of the week and see if you like it or see if you notice any difference. And you might be pleasantly surprised because I feel like when you have a vegan diet, you have a lot more energy. Um, and you know, you're, you're, eating usually, I mean, unless you're eating just all the vegan junk food, which you can totally get sucked into eating vegan junk food because it's, sure. it's good, but, um, like not good for you. Uh, but it's like, you'll see, you're, you're likely to see improvements, you know, um, you get 
better, like, your cardiovascular stuff is, is really important, like you said, for drumming and being in good health. Um, that Absolutely. definitely ties into that. Um, and then, you know, balancing your hormones, because they put all those hormones into the meat that you're then consuming and the dairy that you then consume, that messes with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's something that's fascinating, too, because a lot of, you know, a lot of people will talk about, like, oh, phytoestrogens in soy, it, which, you know, it doesn't act the same way as actual estrogen, but, you know, when you're eating chicken and whatnot, there's so much estrogen, or if you're drinking milk and things like that, so people that are really concerned about having all these hormones in their food or having hormonal effects of food um, definitely should consider if they're eating those those foods like milk and chicken and things like that, you know, they should definitely look into that and and, and think about removing them if, if they're concerned. So, yeah. Right. And it's, oh, and it's so funny because um, I've like had a couple guy friends that have like made fun of like specifically men that are vegan and they'll be like, oh, the soy boys, like they'll call them <laughs> soy boys. Um, and they'll be like, right. yeah, they'll be like, yeah, if you eat tofu, you can't get a boner like anymore and stuff. And that's like just really not true. It's actually the opposite because you're getting increased blood flow, which is probably going to lead to more stamina and more situations that are beneficial for you in that department, guys. So maybe you should try it. It's like not going to mess up your masculinity. Promise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you're more likely to, to clog your arteries and actually the first sign of heart disease is impotence. So, I mean, guys that need Viagra. No, this is this is absolutely true. I mean, so, because the, the blood vessels are a lot uh, more narrow down there. So um, when you have fat buildup in your system and cholesterol and whatnot, you know, it's going to affect that muscle first. So, um, so yeah, if, if you're, if, if I'm a soy boy, so be it. You know, I think that you know it will be a better situation for me than than others who are eating diets that have um, you know so much cholesterol and fat in them. You know, leading right. to this. I mean, I'm, and I'm not trying to like put anyone down by saying that. I'm just no. saying it's just you know. It, that would be my my reply to yeah. somebody if they were trying to you know like use it in sort of a negative tone yeah, like, like a calling me a soy way. boy or something mm -hmm. like that yeah yeah but i always think it's funny cuz it's always those guys that say that and that have like their fragile masculinities and stuff in mind and it's yeah. like it's like actually uh, you're wrong like literally wrong so I well, I mean, just for the longest time, we've been fed the narrative that meat is masculine and we need it and bodybuilders eat meat and whatnot, you know, all these kind of big macho guys. And I mean, it's cool that you even have a movie like a documentary like Game Changers out there, which Arnold Schwarzenegger had to do with. And, you know, it's it's all about plant based athletes and, and strength uh athletes and whatnot and so i mean you can watch that on netflix right now and get some really cool information about people that are real you know these real manly men you know yeah. doing sports but eating vegan diets so yeah there's like a yeah. bunch of like famous football players and like yeah bodybuilders and athletes and stuff that are vegan or have a plant-based diet and um like and there's a ton of musicians too and i mean like look at like what um doyle isn't he vegan and he's ripped like yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Doyle's been uh, vegan for a few years now, so yeah. I mean, I, I met the guy one time, uh, but but yeah, no, he's yeah, he's been vegan vegan for a while, so. And he just, um, I saw that he had sent Ace um, Von Johnson, who was on before this, like episode two. Um, he sent him. He made his own vegan protein powder. 
Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram, so yeah. I saw that he did that. Yeah, so, I mean, if I you're a bodybuilder out there, that's, you know, there you go. I think that's so <laughs> cool, though, you know? It's like, yeah, like, come on. Like, get with the times, people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that's, no, I really I really dig it when people with, you know, the kind of platform that he has um, aren't afraid to, to, um, to use it for something good, you know? And I think, and I, you know, Again, I think with with veganism, I think it's good for not just for the animals. It's good for the environment. It's good for your health as well, too, especially if it's done right. I mean, I'm not talking about eating, you know, drinking beer and eating potato chips. So, yeah, <laughs> which is, yeah, kind of vegan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you can certainly do this in an unhealthy way. And part, you know, part actually part of the motivation for me um, eating the way that I do within the vegan paradigm is is because I I want to be a positive example of it. You know, I don't want, you know, if people are like, oh, so what do you do? Eat fake meats all the time? I'm like, rarely. You know, I don't, I actually don't even really drink soy milk. I don't really eat veggie burgers and I don't have anything wrong. You know, I don't have anything against all that stuff and I'll eat it on occasion. But, um, you know, I, I, I want to exude sort of health. So, I mean, like I, yeah. you know, especially, you know, as I, as I age. And so I never want to have anyone go, Oh, look at that weak emaciated vegan or, Oh, look at that, you know, whatever, you know, and just take a look at me and, and make a judgment based on that. So, um, that's been a huge motivating factor. Oh well, yeah. And it's like, um, when you're kind of in, you put out a, a book called the touring vegan. And so you're like, the, like a part of being the, a face of veganism, you know, like you're presenting um, like veganism to people essentially. So like you said, yeah, you get your, there are eyes on you for that and you want to represent it well. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, that's, so that, that's definitely been like a huge driving force uh, to, to try to stay healthy um, to, you know, I, I want to bring more credibility to this movement. You know, it's something that I've always thought about. And maybe I'm in the mindset of, of, of the way I was in the, the early 90s when I, when I started getting involved doing this. But um, uh, where you really had to, you know, battle thing, this upstream, you know, and, and now, again, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more acceptable. But I'm still probably in that mindset of being the underdog with this yeah. whole way of living. So. Oh, I can't help it. <laughs> no, almost 30 years of it. Like, seriously. Or like, you're going, what would you say, 27 years of being? Yeah, about yeah. 27 years. Yeah. yeah, like, that's a long time. And for it to have been something that wasn't so commonly known or like a buzzword like it is today, like, yeah, I bet you definitely had to, you know, get your heels in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there is still that that little, you know, that side of me that's always, you know, maybe it's part of my mission statement. You know, yeah, I've got to remain healthy and blah, 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 or else I'm going to not be effective with my message. <laughs> well, and, you know, you have to be um, in pretty good shape to drum those grind tracks. You know, those are like breakneck speeds. Like you're going real fast there. Um it's yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, playing. I mean, playing the heavier styles of music, or even you know, there, there's a lot of bands that are, that aren't necessarily heavy. But once we get out there and we perform, it's different than what I do in the drum studio. I mean, I'm using like all of my arm instead of just like my hands and fingers. You know, trying. You know, you're you're putting on a show at that point. You're not just you know playing the song. So so yeah, like um, you've got to be in decent athletic shape i think in order to kind of do this especially night after night and not have pain and and whatnot i mean you know some of my colleagues as as again as we you know if we get a little bit older it's like yeah it's like you know after a few few days of tour like 
they're like <laughs> aching backstage and it's like, all right, let's go do this. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, I never want to, I never want to feel that way. I mean, like, yeah, tour, tour definitely breaks you down quite a bit. You're not getting enough sleep. It's hard to, it's hard to eat healthy. I mean, a lot of these things are true, you know, but, um, yeah, so you've got to, you know, do what you can to try to, to, you know, maintain your health while while uh, traveling. And how long are your sets <laughs> that you play? Like when you're on stage, usually, like what what's an average time of like a set for you? Um, uh, they vary a bit. I mean, when I'm out with IMX, we do about an hour and a half, and that includes the encore. Um, certain bands, uh, some of the heavier headliner bands, we don't go that long. If it's like a if it's like a metal type of thing, or um, we'll do like maybe an hour. Um, and if I'm an opening band, it's usually 30 to 40 minutes. Um, but either way, it's like you still have to, like, you know, bring it every night. So Well, that and it's like, <clears throat> can you imagine doing any like mundane activity for that long? Like, even if I just hold my arm up by itself, like right now, and I do that for an hour and a half, just holding it there, not moving it, that's still like will make your muscles tired and like is definitely like exerting like it and you don't and then you're you're swinging around you know you're hitting stuff and and you're really going at it and stuff so it's just yeah that takes a lot of stamina to do that yeah i mean it it does help you know when you have a crowd in front of you there's an there's like a natural adrenaline high that you get once you get on stage you might get you know the first song you might be like oh man i'm i'm really feeling it tonight you know you're a week (laughs) into the tour you've done like you know about 30 i mean you're you're a month into the tour and you've done about 30 dates or something like that (laughs) and then you and then you know so maybe that first song you're you're struggling a touch but then like the adrenaline kicks in and and you know that that certainly helps too but but yeah i mean if i'm practicing or if i'm like you know i try to run and do other things while i'm on the road um as well and uh sometimes it's really hard to uh, to do some of those activities because i'm just so beaten down from not sleeping properly or trying to eat properly i mean cuz even even though i wrote a book on on touring this you know the way that i do and and eating the way that i do i mean there are obstacles that you still run across and and you can't always be as prepared as you'd like to be so um yeah, so certain things suffer a little bit, you know. Wait, like you're your saying sleep and the- you're saying tour doesn't go perfect 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well that's yeah, that's part of the thing. That's why you don't see honestly a lot of people doing this long term. I mean, there's very few I mean, like I know a lot of the people in the game just because it weeds people out quick. I mean, there's some fantastic musicians out there, but you know, they they probably aren't going to stay on the road like myself or some of my other colleagues, just because it, it definitely um, rips you apart in various ways. I mean, not just physically, but I mean, it's difficult to maintain relationships. Um, if, you know, some of the, if, if you have a family and things like that, or even if you have pets, you know, it's, it's, um, uh, it can be a real challenge to constantly be gone. So, yeah. And do you have any crazy tour stories for me that you want to share? Hmm. Crazy tour stories. Um, actually, I thought about this ahead of time a little bit just because I was like, what could I talk about that, you know, without yes. incriminating anybody <laughs> or myself? Yes. No, um, <laughs> um, this is going to okay, live, on, so, it's going to live on the internet forever. Just like my nudes. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, the, uh back in, 
the early 2000s, um, I was playing with my group, Mankind is Obsolete. And so that was a band that I started um, uh, with Natasha. She and I went to, to a music school together. And um, anyway, so we had to get a tour van. And so I went on Craigslist and found this uh, one of those windowless vans. Oh, um, <laughs> that's creepy. <laughs> you, those you creepy want, windowless. Yeah, though you want some candy kind of van. One of those. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, you kind of use your imagination on that one. Um, so anyway, I found one of those. It was, it was, you know, they did. Um, they said, I don't know, seven hundred bucks or best off or something like that. Anyway, I show up. Um, it's kind of this hippie dude that that owns the van. He's like, yeah, let's take it for a spin. So we drive around the neighborhood. We literally just do a loop. And then we come back. I'm like, yeah, sure, you know, because I don't know much about auto mechanics or anything like that. Seems cool to me. Um, and then he made me write a check for $777.77 just because he thought it would be funny to be able to squeeze all that in on a check. Um, so... <laughs> That's what, you know, so that was, that was sort of the start of this. So I did that. Um, and, <laughs> um, okay. So then anyway, like me and my friend who was there, uh, <clears throat> to help me buy it. Cause he was going to drive my car back while I drive the van. Um, uh, you know, we took off and I tried to make a left-hand turn and I, and I could change lanes, but I couldn't make a full left-hand turn. So all of a sudden I'm stopping traffic and I'm having to back up. I'm like, what is wrong with this vehicle? And, um, and, uh, yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll, you know, so I ended up having to do a series, like, it was like that movie, Austin Powers, you know, where he's trying to like <laughs> shimmy the car out of a tight spot. So I'm doing this in the middle of like a busy intersection in LA. Like forward, and, back, forward, back like that. Like the, yeah, exactly. Forward, back, forward, back, like a few, a few times in order to make the turn. So, so I, I get it back to my, we get it back to my place and, and then eventually we just, you know, I take it into a shop to get an oil change and everything like that. And they're looking under it and they're like, what the hell is this? And there was like a, basically this metal fixture that wasn't part of the van. I mean, who knows? It might've had like drugs in there or something like that, but basically something was welded, um, near one of the wheels and, you couldn't, you know, it was affecting actually, you know, it would grind against it. If you tried to like turn the wheel all the way, it would, it you would know, so you it. couldn't yeah. make a, it would stop it. So you couldn't mm -hmm. make a full left hand turn, <laughs> but needless to say, you know, we were broke musicians. I'd already bought the thing. We went on tour with this thing, but we had to do like, if we had to make a left turn, we would make just a series of right turns. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but we <and> actually, <laughs> but, but that's like, like, isn't that like the rule that like they give FedEx drivers, like they can't make left turns. They can only make right turns because it like supposedly makes their route. Um, more efficient because they don't have to wait for a light to turn left and they can oh, turn interesting. they can turn right on red I think and in, in like a lot of states um I think I don't know maybe I made that up but I'm pretty uh, sure that's a thing so I, I mean yeah yeah I'll look into it but yeah that's I mean that's that's interesting but so, yeah so we, you, you know you did, you did we got really skilled tour. at doing <laughs> we did a FedEx tour like I like and then okay so there's there's even more to the story than that you know so obviously we did that tour it was rough trying to do that because there were certain situations <laughs> where where that was challenging to be able to do that right um so <laughs> not not everything's uh, on a perfect grid where you can just do the next street and you know make make these continuous squares or whatever yeah yeah, exactly. So, so, um, so we're like, all right, we're done with this thing. So I, 
and and not to mention it's stalled out in a lot of places. I remember us like um, overheating in Butte, Montana, or Butt, Montana, whatever people want to call it. Um, so so yeah, we were we were having problems there, and we had problems on the Grapevine, which is a stretch of highway um, as you're leaving LA, going north towards San Francisco. Um, so anyway, we had some issues with the vehicle, and I was like, I'm just getting rid of this thing. So I put it up on Craigslist. It's a 1983 GMC Vandura, and like within minutes of me putting it up, I get this phone call from a guy. Um, he He's like, hey, is that an 83 GMC Vandura? And like, you know, like, can I see p pictures of it? And I didn't have uh, pictures because I didn't have like a, at the time, like a cell phone or a cell phone camera or anything like that. Oh my like God, that. it's so the guy who sold it to you, isn't it? And he wants whatever is in that contraption, huh? No, but that would be interesting. You know, oh. like actually, I was, <laughs> sorry, no. I like, cut, cut into no. it. <laughs> no, you know what? We never actually found out what that was, but like, um, <laughs> you know, so who knows? Maybe the person who has it now. Um, okay, so moving along with that story, yeah. um, the okay, so I I managed to get some photos and I sent it to the guy, and he's he flips his lid. He's like, oh my god, I'm. I, I'm the biggest A-Team fanatic, and I've been looking for that specific model for the longest time because that's the model that the A-Team uses. And I was like, <laughs> that's cool, okay. So he, fl he flies out the next day from Texas to <laughs> buy it. And so he meets up with me, and I and I was I was highballing on on Craigslist too. I, I think I was selling it for like fifteen hundred or something. Nice, and get so a little gets, return. He, <laughs> yeah, so, so we actually made money on the van. But like anyway, he gets Woo! in the van, and, and his phone rings, and it's his his wife or girlfriend or somebody, and 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 it's uh, you know the a it, it was the eighteen the eighteen uh, ringtone as well too. So I mean, obviously this guy's legit, and he's just like sitting in the van, like losing his mind, like going, "Oh my God, I'm gonna convert it." And it's it's going to be this party vehicle. I'm going to raise the back tires and all this stuff. And I'm like, you do you, man. Go for it. So, like, wow. he, you know, he pays for it in cash and then drives out. I'm like, you're going to really try to drive this thing to Texas? You're like, so, you can't yeah, turn but, left. You told him you can't yeah, turn yeah. left. I, I, I told him that. I told him. He's like, that's cool. I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that that I, I figured that was a story I could tell from the road, but like, or sort of a tour type of story. But yeah, yeah I mean, that all went down and it was, I don't know, it was common. Comical, needless to say, yeah. especially if you were if you were around to see it all go down. So, right. and, um, <laughs> yeah, and he's just living his best A team life now, probably still. Oh yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I wish I still had the person's contact information. I would love to to see how the vehicle's doing. Yeah, <laughs> you've had like a lot of weird things like that, though. Like you said, you lived in the building that the sexy saxophone player, the viral guy who went viral. He, oh, yeah. He lived in the same apartment building or something, and he would, like, play the saxophone, like, and seven did crazy stuff and, like, got arrested or something. I don't know. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no. Um, no, or I don't I, think he— Or I thought—I was like, oh, I wonder if he got arrested when he would, like, go into those malls and, like, play the saxophone. Oh. That guy? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I don't know if he—you know what? I never asked him if he got arrested for any of that stuff. I mean, um— or, I mean, he probably just got removed from the property. Premises, yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm sure he didn't, like, carry on too much after. But, yeah, no, he was one of my neighbors. So, yeah, if you're <laughs> unfamiliar with what we're talking about, go to... Um, Go on YouTube and just uh, type in super sexy sax man and you'll understand what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the sexy sax uh, It's pretty guy. funny. 
<laughs> so, really so funny. yeah, yeah, he was one of my he was one of my neighbors, and I had no idea until he um, put on like the fake mullet and mustache and whatnot. Because, yeah, like one day he was actually filming something in the building as super sexy sax man. I was like, no way, you're. <laughs> I had no idea that was you, you know. So that was, you know, kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, uh, I wonder how he's doing these days. His name was Sergio. I, I don't know. Sergio, <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, that's funny. Um, do you have a favorite style of drumming? Hmm, that's a tough one. I mean, I do, I do have a fondness for double bass drum just because of the thunder that it brings to the room when you're playing it. But honestly, um, you know, I I love playing all different styles. I'm I'm all about the song. So if I'm very into the song, it really doesn't matter if the drums are challenging or if they're busy or, or technical or anything like that. If the if the song's exciting to me for whatever reason, then then I'm in. So, um, yeah, and there's a few groups that I play in where, you know, the drums are kind of an understated role. Um, and I love those bands. So, yeah, um, that's a tough one. But uh, but I do enjoy when there's some double bass involved, you know, and occasionally I can use, I think I can use a little bit of double bass in just about every band. <laughs> nice. <laughs> to, hopefully, hopefully tastefully. Yeah. Pe- pepper it in, you know, just lightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, I try not to be douchey about it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Just blast them away. Um, yeah, exactly. Start playing blast beats in the middle of like an IMX ballad or something. <laughs> <laughs> totally inappropriate. Um, Chris might like it though. I don't know. He might. He's he's funny like that. He might. He might think it. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. <laughs> um, and then you, because you tour so much, you get to play with so many different bands at like so many different like festivals and things. Um, do you have you ever been really starstruck by anybody that you've met? Um, I mean, we were talking about Doyle before. I mean, like that was really cool to me. Honestly, I met him maybe around this time last year. I think. Um, I met him and Elisa um, from Arch Enemy, and uh, yeah, they came to an IMX show, and I guess they had come to one before, um, and I remember that because we were playing with Kat Von D, and, they, and that's how they kind of found out about IMX is, was through her, and so they came to visit her when we played in New York once, and then and then came out on their own uh, when we weren't on the road with Kat Von D um, uh, last year, so I got to to meet them backstage and yeah i mean i was probably a little bit weird i mean i wasn't really weird like i don't think i did anything weird but i i you know usually if i'm starstruck or like um you know by, by anyone i'm i'm just more reserved and quiet so i was just you know i shook his hand and i was like yeah hey cool and then you know i peaced out you know <laughs> <laughs> but inside you're um, like you're like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> yeah yeah it's like yeah you know like I'm a huge fan and I love the Misfits and, uh, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, that's happened. That's happened a number of times. And, you know, and I've even performed with a lot of my heroes, too. Um, so I've I've learned to keep it chill. Um, yeah, I think that's that's probably important and professional. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely oh man, I could probably think of a lot of people, to be honest, you know, but that was a recent one, I suppose. That's awesome. Um, and then, oh, and like you said, too, we were talking about this um, just separately but before the podcast, but uh, you have a really cool um, tour coming up that got rescheduled, yeah, for like 2021, but they did reschedule it. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of heroes, um, Frontline Assembly. So there's a band that I grew up listening to. Um, huge fan of Skinny Puppy and Frontline Assembly and a lot of the, the earlier kind of industrial bands. And um, anyway, so I've been drumming on and off with them. And uh, yeah, so we had a tour scheduled with KMFDM and Ministry. So yeah, it's basically like my childhood right there. Mm -hmm. um, iconic and uh, <laughs> iconic yeah exactly so we had we had a lot of dates um booked and a lot of sold out shows uh that was supposed to go down in july and um you know we were we were hoping that it was going to still happen but obviously you know you got to take things day by day as as um the, the whole pandemic situation evolves but uh yeah i mean at a certain point the powers that be decided we should just do this in april so they just rescheduled it um so yeah uh i guess that will be unless something happens before that that will be my first uh tour which which is so far away <laughs> it makes but me sad <laughs> i know that is a long ways but i mean it's gonna be fucking awesome because it's like KMFDM and ministry like hello like two super sick bands and like the band you're playing in obviously frontline assembly will be great too so it's like that's like a stellar thing to have on the horizon for like a, when you can get back to touring that's like a really like bright star to look forward to. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one. And I'm excited to do more with IMX and Skold, Cyclone 9, just, but, but, you know, all the bands. I hope that, I mean, nothing's in the in the books yet for any of the other bands that I'm in. But um, but yeah, I mean, the Frontline ones uh, looks like that's all taken care of right now. So hopefully uh, hopefully there'll be other cool live opportunities. I'm, I'm starting to see that at least bands in Europe and in other countries um, I think uh, things are going a little bit. Uh, they're they're a little bit further along with this pandemic than we are. So they're you know they're they're starting to book shows even towards the end of the year. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe there might be something that happens uh, towards the end of the year that that I don't know about yet. So that would be great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can fingers crossed, fingers crossed, and positive. Absolutely. Thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have anything else that you want to touch on or talk about? As we're getting oh, up sure. on an hour? Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, one of the other things that I did um, during this pandemic is, uh, well, I mean, with the help of my buddy, uh, Nathan, he he helped put together my my websites. Just, it's called, it's just johnsirenmyname.com. And that is my real last name, by the way. Is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. So your last name is Siren? Yes. Cool. Apparently it's a Finnish last name, but uh, yeah, that is my real last name. So um, it's not a stage name. This is not a stage name. No, wow. I, the reason why I bring that up is because one of my friends on Facebook, uh, you know, had one of these posts like my real last name is Payne. You know, his name's <laughs> Sean Payne. He's, he's another guy who's in industrial bands and whatnot. And so like I, I chimed in on there and and, uh, you know, it's just it's been a thing that's happened. You know, ever since I moved to L.A., there's there's a lot of people with pseudonyms and whatnot that do music. They don't go by the real name. And I always just went by my real name and um and a lot of people thought it was fake until I would bring like family members out on the guest list and and whatnot, and um, yeah, you know, and they would see my they would see my um, passports and whatnot. So yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm offended that people don't think that suicide is my last name, but <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, I don't know. So. Uh, but that's cool. Okay, but so anyway, yeah, John Siren. JohnSiren.com is, you know, something that was done during this uh, pandemic. And um, 
on there, you know, I was I was worried about income and whatnot because obviously with all these tours, you know, caving in, that was my income. Uh, I managed to get some unemployment and government money and blah, blah, blah. So I'm doing okay right now. So I'm not like struggling. But at the time okay. I was really concerned and worried um, uh, about what I was going to do. So um, I decided to make touring vegan socks and shirts, you know, because I knew a lot of these bands were selling their band shirts. And since I'm I'm sort of like a hired gun in a lot of situations, I'm not really part of of merchandise and things like that or, uh -huh. or album sales. So when when um, bands are making money, I mean, that's usually going to band leaders and whatnot or going into, you know, back into the band in some sort of way, but it's not coming to a person like myself. Mm -hmm. So I figured I need to have a way of potentially making some income. So I, I decided to, 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 I guess, do that. And um, so, yeah, you can you can check out my sweet socks or, or <laughs> T-shirt. I found a company that does organic T-shirts, too. So oh, I'm trying to, you know, trying to be a little bit better with uh, the environmental, you know, consumption, kind of thing, product so. consumption. Yeah. 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 Try to do what you can. And uh, so. So anyway, uh, you can see that on the website and then it has links to all of my social media and whatnot. It's a very, you know, kind of simple site, but uh, effective. Yeah, I can't yes. wait. I'm going to I'm definitely picking your book up. I told you that. I'm gonna pick up some socks for sure and post some epic thirst traps and get the hype going. So <laughs> nice. I'll be like, check these rad socks. Like, so cool. Nice. Everybody needs Thank socks, you. though, you know. That's yeah, just, yeah. And everyone I, needs <laughs> socks. Yeah, I figured even if you're like down with me, but maybe you're, you know, you're 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 hesitant about labeling yourself a vegan or or going that route, you know, they're socks. You have your pants over them. No one sees them except for you. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's so we all need socks, right? No. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, well, this was really fun. Thank you um, so much, John, for taking the time and uh, sitting down and having a chat with me and helping me start the podcast. I really appreciate you. You're always like lovely for conversation. Um, and I love the veganism and all the, the environmental impact and positivity with that. Um, and you're just a really great drummer. Like, it's fun to watch your videos. Your hair is whipping everywhere. You're having a good time. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the I love the podcast. Excellent. Yay. You. Well, you have a great day. Thank you. All right, you too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Cyclone 9, Frontline Assembly, and many more. Joining me for the fourth episode of That One Suicide Girls podcast, I'm Penny Suicide, your hostess. Huge thanks to John for joining me today and taking the time to have a chat. I really appreciate him. My next guest is going to be J.D. Tucker, the vocalist of Grendel. So in the meanwhile, stay safe out there, and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye! <laughs>